0: corners of the globe to your ears it's the midnight movie cowboys sometimes informative sometimes controversial but always unpredictable it's the midnight movie cowboys podcast with your hosts hunter john and Stu. and now on with the show
1: hello everybody welcome to the midnight movie cowboys for this week you're hearing my voice or seeing my face my very sick and bloated red face so that means uh that there is one of us missing and uh no points for guessing who it is in about 30 seconds time uh because over in denver colorado we are joined by uh the the ultra the the, the ultra mark himself john grace
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah
0: who
1: you were marked for back in your young younger years
0: when i was a kid uh hmm. i am so old that i marked out for superstar uh no uh, tony atlas oh and um like in 79 in georgia the free birds hmm. in georgia when they, they did uh eight pile drivers in a row on ted dibiase and the first time i saw a stretcher job i thought it was all real and i was like hmm. oh no
1: <laughs> yeah crazy <laughs> anyway hunter is missing as you can tell um because i've not introduced him but we do have He's on camera. He's finally face, come out of the wilderness. Face reveal. Face reveal. <laughs> and official uh, face reveal. This is a lot of negotiations between uh, ourselves <laughs> and Brett and his manager, Eric, to finally get him to come on camera. Wolfie T, how are my friend? Hello. All right. Been here before, but only in voice, only a couple of times. in the past, but first time yes. on the camera. So anyway, um, after many false starts, we are going to talk about The Self-Destruction of the Ultimate Warrior, the hit piece DVD put out by the WWE. Do any of you guys find it hard to say WWE still after all these years? I, I struggle. Yep. I say WWF. Always. Yeah.
3: I mean, I, I never stopped watching, so it's been 21 years since yeah. they changed it. So So it's been WWE longer for me, maybe even in general, than it was WWF.
1: When did it become the WWF from the WWWF? Was it about eighty-two or something?
0: Um, yeah, yeah. When they went national, they became the WWF. Yeah, which was eighty. I think technically it was eighty-three. I want to say, but I might be wrong. Yeah, it might have
3: they, been they, sw- they switched to WWE in two thousand two. Mm. So it's it's been WWE longer than it was WWF. Yeah, yeah. but I, uh, I I can see. Well, like people who haven't watched it like ongoing always call it WWF still. You know, and yeah. it's like, you know. I guess I get it, but like it's been twenty one years. Just, it's just been um, like two I'm, whole the, generations of fans have come through and, and oh, gone.
1: Yeah. I just listen to podcasts like the Bruce Pritchard one and uh sometimes Jim Cornette, but he gets it annoying for me to hear. But mainly Bruce Pritchard one there's something to wrestle with and um they waver in between wwf wwe in the same sentence i think oh, just pick one you know if you're talking in my opinion is if you're talking pre-2002 it's wwf just refer it to that anytime after you they've right. got the out it's wwe so if you're talking about the aggression era it's wwe if you're talking about the you know the federation years from the, the 80s it's wwf
3: I, I think for the guys who worked for the company after the switch like they had a real hard uh, ban on calling it the WWF for a long time.
1: Yeah. Um and, and, and so well, I think Vince put out a, a memo. It had become sports entertainment, not wrestling. But it's fucking, it's
3: well wrestling. he did that to stop getting sanctioned by the state commission. So you so you had to start yeah. so he so he could stop paying the state commissions to uh test his wrestlers and shit like that. So yeah. He also
0: avoided fun. paying a tax. There was some sort of athletic commission tax right.
2: that
0: he avoided. By yeah. Uh, in a lot of states, maybe not every state, but they were going around the country, so we made things convenient. Yeah. But,
3: but the joke now on all the are about all the wrestlers with their podcasts is they always say WWF at the time. Yes. And uh,
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: and it's it's become a cliche. It's like yeah. well, we know
1: what it was at the time. Just call it that. I guess they're doing it for new listeners who are going, What are you talking about WWE, WWF? What, which one is it? So I'm guessing for the new listeners that they're picking up. Anyway, we got a lot more wrestling to talk that we can finally get into. Brett Brett and I did this back when we did the repo, man, for about 20 minutes. Uh <laughs> and we thought we would have just cause Eric's just gonna go screaming, just shut up. So finally get the talk all wrestling all time on this one. Thank goodness. <laughs> but let's sweep Wait, out our
3: out. <laughs> Repo Man might come up later because I've been watching WWF Superstars from nineteen ninety two, and uh, he's he's all over that, mm. strangling people with his tow rope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who was he? Who was he? I didn't even watch it that that year. So
3: it was Barry Darso. Uh, oh, okay, Demolition Crusher Smash.
0: Yep. Yeah, I think he was Crusher Khrushchev in Mid South or something like that. It seems to be where I know the name.
1: It's yeah. it's crazy when I watch. Uh, which I'll show in a minute, all the WWF DVDs, EWD DVDs, and you go, wow, that guy was in Atlanta, Georgia wrestling. Wow. What was it? What was it called? NWA? Was that?
0: Um, Okay. Uh, In the 70s, it was Georgia Championship Wrestling. That was kind of what it was called. And uh, later, around 84, after Vince bought him out and turned it into the WWF. On WTBS, and then Jim Crockett bought that slot from Vince and brought in the NWA, and they called it World Championship Wrestling. That's kind of the where the WCW acronym came from. I found
1: myself as I was watching these DVDs going, you know what? I really wish Vince hadn't bought up in all the territories. Some, yeah. yes, but not all of them. It just it would have been great to still have, you know. Um, and, and for instance, the WCW, yes, he bought it out in two thousand and one, was it? I think yeah, yeah, he got it for nothing he, yeah he got it there was a funny story about that where apparently he sued turner for something and won two million dollars hung onto to the check and when he bought wcw he bought it for two million dollars so he basically ted turner paid for his own company to be sold to vince mcmahon
0: right and turner yeah. didn't even own it at that time i think he'd been ousted by the AOL. the board yeah it was a total yeah. stock one of those screwy corporate takeovers that just, and they decided they didn't want wrestling on TNT. They didn't want wrestling on any Turner networks. And that was the end of WCW.
1: WCW back in 90, 97, 98, even 99. That, that shit was hot. Man. It was it was yeah. giving WWF a run. I was serious. Well, they won. They were in the ratings for 19, 17 months, no, 19 months. Sorry. They won the Monday Night Wars for a year and seven was- weeks
0: everybody watched it yeah. even people who hated wrestling most of their lives started watching it it was weird
1: yeah i mean it was a great time i mean i would we would obviously get it later we would get it on um tuesday midday because it was a monday night thing but we got um both on two separate channels so i would record both go to work tuesday and just it just be freaking wrestling I'd, I'd watch you know obviously wcw first or wf first whatever and watch out, I mean, it was just a glorious night. I just thought, I don't want no one near me Tuesday night, just go. <laughs> no company, I don't want no girls over, which is shocking for me. Just no one come over, I just want to be left alone and watch my wrestling that night. But anyway, let's get into the junk so we can keep talking wrestling. Um, guess first, Brett Woofy, uh, sure. You I picked up uh, a couple things at the uh,
3: cheapo. Um, I got the fast and furious movie collection, nine movies for twenty bucks. Jeez, I'm running true. through these. um uh, I'd never seen I'd seen number nine in the theater last year. I'd never seen one through eight. um
0: it's all about family, Brett. It's all about family.
3: <laughs> that's what I've uh come to know. Um, I still have to watch number eight and number nine again um uh, and then I got a ticket to go see Fast Stacks this weekend, so. Um, I figured that was a good deal. Nine movies for 20 bucks. And then I also picked up
1: oh, you're, uh,
3: Ur- <laughs> Ernest Scared Stupid for two bucks on DVD. <laughs> um, and uh, when I posted that in the Discord group, uh, Eric Mulder, my co host on Watch This Movie, says, stay tuned. So probably be doing okay. an episode on that in the future.
1: You, you guys love your Ernest movies. I mean, you're always talking about it. Ernest Skate, Stupid and Ernest, um, whatever the hell they are. There's about what six I, I haven't
3: seen an Ernest movie since I was like six years old. Oh, really? <laughs> so um I'm interested to to revisit some of them because I remember we used to watch them a lot. Like they'd be on TV all the time. So mm. but it's been forever since i watched any of them.
1: Yeah. I think I saw one back in VHS. I rented it out in the nineties off of the okay. It's not funny. It's not all your right. demographics, too. No, not at all. I was more a private pop school guy. I think <laughs> the Israeli comedies yeah, uh, from the seventies. Anything else, Brett? No, no that, that's it. All right, John.
0: Okay, um, got a stack of destroyer paperbacks that I picked up at a, of all things, a punk rock store over on Colfax the, um, years ago. A friend of mine texted me and said, Hey, they got a shelf of destroyers over here at this uh, chain reaction records place. And at the time I didn't really need them. And I was just like, Oh, I'll, I'll check it out sometime. But I just, on a lark, uh, I, I got to a point where I needed some destroyer paperback. So last week I just said, let me see if they still have them on that shelf at that punk rock place. They're right there, two bucks a piece. So
1: wow, nice I, that
0: was a weird, weird thing where you just know a product's not going to move in that store and you're able to get it years later whenever you feel like it doesn't happen too often also
1: what do they go for they go for about um, two bucks or they got a bit of value to them
0: they were going for two bucks a piece there i mean they're in beat up shape because a lot of kids read these in high school and they put them in their backpack and of course they just get roughed up so they're hard to find in any good condition in the wild and i used to have a pretty nice set of them when i was a kid and just got rid of them thinking i was never going to read them again and oh oh I ate those words pretty quickly, um. The, but um, they I wouldn't say they go for high dollar because you can get them on print on demand and Amazon. You can get the trade paperbacks for about eight bucks a pop, so I don't think there's any high value on the paperbacks themselves. But you know, if there's a market of readers still into them, so. Uh. Also, I hit a library sale, and they happen to have a lot of soundtracks. Somebody uh donated their collection, but here's the Untouchables, Daniel Moricone. Oh nice. CD, I've only soundtrack. had it on cassette. Um, Little Feet, Dixie Chicken album, which I already had in a box set, but I was like, I don't know, kind of sometimes need that 70s adult contemporary rock.
1: Gone. Um, that, that Little Feet yeah. album, is that a uh-huh. first press? Which one? That that Little Feet album, is that a first press CD? Uh,
0: the CD? Um, yeah, yeah, it's an early, early uh, edition from Warner Brothers.
1: I'll, I'll raise that issue in a moment, but yeah, carry on. I'll tell you why I, I raised that.
0: Okay. Uh, a, a favorite of the podcast, Sunday. Best of.
1: Gotcha. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. Um, Break Heart Pass, the uh, soundtrack to the Charles Bronson movie, Jerry uh, Goldsmith. Really, really good soundtrack. That's a rare one, I think. Uh, oh. Jesus Christ Superstar, double. Oh,
1: Ted Neely film?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah I yeah. don't know who's that. It might be Ian Gillian. It may not be Ted Neely.
1: So okay. um
0: if it's like the old vinyl version I had, it's probably uh Ian Gillian. Uh Jim Croce unopened. Uh oh, no. because, yeah, his greatest hits. Mm-hmm. Which speaking of wrestling, Bad Bad Leroy Brown, uh, which mentioned the junkyard dog, which is where they kind of got the name. Oh, um that's Best of Ricky Nelson. Uh, oh nice.
2: Kinda, Nice. written off as a
0: teen aisle, but if you have heard these uh these songs he was authentic he was the real deal does that, have um,
1: ru- does that have fools rush in on it
0: i believe it's on here
2: yep oh, it's on here this reminds, it's
1: always of the start of scorpio rising when i hear yeah. that track.
0: yeah uh <laughs> robert cray i was warned it's one of the ones he did after smoking gun i guess he kept his uh deal with mercury and uh, put out some additional blues records. Actually, I dig his his act, even if it is a little quiet, stormish. Gets into that yeah. territory, but I, I still like it. I like his voice. Uh, Capricorn One soundtrack. Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, apparently, whoever donated this uh, this collection of CDs was a big Jerry Goldsmith fan because there's yeah, a few a I lot. didn't grab. I did get Planet of the Apes. I don't have it to show off. Maybe I'll show it off on the next show, but uh, nice. it's upstairs because I've been playing it on the Bose CD player. So. You know, but uh, I got that. It combined the Planet of the Apes soundtrack with Escape, um, beneath the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. So it's yeah. a pretty good package. It's all you need. It's really cool to listen to. It's
1: beneath so, is only like three or four tracks, and it's
0: right. There was no uh, point in doing like a no. single uh, maxi disc or whatever you call those things, EPs. But th- but that's it for me this week. It's books and CDs, no uh, no movies.
1: Okay. All right. Well, I've got quite a bit, so I'll get through them real quick. I'll get rid of my background. Uh. Choose virtual background.
0: Warrior University Diploma. (laughs) Found it.
1: Well, first off, we can start with been catching up on this guy's collection, and his albums are fucking hard to find. But I found this one. Danzig's Black-Laden Crown from 2017. His latest, well, all-original studio album. Um, Pretty good. I like it. uh, Circle of Snakes from 2004 and death red sabbath oh god they're hard to find I, I had no idea i was gonna be struggling this much but uh i am um anyway i talked about first press cds because i picked these up and i had a couple of them remasters i thought ah the remasters are good but damn they're too loud so anyway queen's rikes the warning uh, i never owned that i've obviously heard a trillion times my favorite album of these, Queensryche's Rage for Order. These two are first presses. And when I played this one with the remaster, the the sound difference is night and day. This one kills the remaster. It's subtle. It's not overbearing. It's not... Oh, yeah. And it happened as well. Yeah, I bought um, the Saints' first album. uh, What's it called?
0: Oh, fucking what's it called? Um, I'm Stranded?
1: Yeah, yeah Stranded. Um, I had the remaster of that with all the bonus tracks. Found the original press for a buck when I was away with the family, um, and it, it kills the remaster. It it is not even close. And one I really like, um, White Snake's 1987 album. I do like this one quite a bit. All right, that's the CDs out the way. Um, I will get to the DVDs in a minute. Let me get my. Okay, books. Picked these up last night, both of these, and I mentioned about the um, value of the books you bought. Found this one for fifteen bucks. Kiss the early years from seventy four to eighty two. Now, it's that's it there. Um, this has been out of print for twenty years and goes for about a hundred and forty bucks. So <laughs> that was that but not to be outdone, i picked up this one which now goes for about three to four hundred because it is long gone it weighs a ton the beatles anthology the one that came out with the um 10 part tv series from the early 2000s wow 10 bucks $10 for that in, in uh, new condition
0: and another thing
1: you guys might like this. I found this still sealed for 15 bucks. I love Lucy, the complete series on DVD. Oh, wow.
3: Nice. <laughs>
1: um, that's the one with the uh, one that's shaped like a box of chocolates and all the distance side of it. <laughs> um, that's that. Now, getting on to the DVDs. I bought a couple and shock, horror. One of them I bought was The Self-Destruction of the Ultimate Warrior, which is a little tough to find these days. Um, people are starting to ask big bucks for it. I found it on eBay for $10. Um, I thought, oh, well, I'm going to bite the bullet and take it. But I thought, well, when you got one guy who's hated by the WWF, WWE, one is not enough. So I bought this one, which is now really going for a lot of bucks. And, Brett, I don't know if you got this one. Chris, uh, Chris Benoit, Hard Knocks no i don't have that one okay um these go for about 50 to 70 because obviously these were pulled in 2007 after the incident that happened right and um go for a lot of bucks some guy had this one which is basically brand new uh 10 bucks so i bought that one as well when when did that come out that was 2000 and so they go 405 yeah, I think it was 04 or It was certainly not 07 or afterwards. But, um, yeah, that's that. Last one. This one I need to stand up and actually get up and show. This one is this. That. That is a full container. Oh, shit. Full container, 73 wrestling DVDs in there. Um, Yeah, I had five of them already. So the other 68 I did not have. Uh, In there was another copy of Self-Destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. So now (laughs) I went from not having any to having two. Um, 40 bucks for the lot.
0: Wow. That's That's pretty good.
1: That's um. I think I counted it out. It was about four hundred and something hours for forty bucks. So I did all right, and that's it. And that's everything for me. All right. Um. Self destruction of the ultimate warrior. Who had seen it before?
0: I I'd seen it years yeah. ago. I Netflixed it. Oh wow! Yeah. I- I can't
3: remember if I saw it. A lot of it was familiar, but I, I don't remember if I'd seen it all before. hmm It's one of the it's one of the few DVDs I never I didn't buy, so but I feel like it was on their on demand or something like that, or they showed it on TV once or twice.
1: Is it still on there on demand now? Or was it being removed?
3: No. And I don't know if it was on there. I think it might have been on there before they switched to Peacock. But I wonder if it was even on there before, because he got put in the Hall of Fame the year that they launched the network. Mm -hmm. So I have a feeling they may have just not put it on there because of that. And then, of course, he died right away. So
0: yeah, they put his wife on the payroll. So I don't think they they would put it on the the stream. Be willing to Dana Warrior currently. I think she works for the WWE in some capacity. I don't know if
3: she's still there because. uh, they were bringing her back for the Hall of Fame every year, and they didn't bring her back this year. But they still <clears> have the Warrior Award.
1: It's strange. They, they did that after the all, the, all the, you know, sort of uh, disdain between the two two parties. They do a Warrior Award.
3: Well, he suggested
1: it in his Hall of Fame speech, and then, you know, he
3: dropped dead. So they're like, well, <laughs> we're kind of hands tied right now. Yeah. So, but it's like it's not what he suggested they give it out for. Uh there's only been like one or two where it's like some backstage employee. Um they, they've given it just like random people, um, people involved in like cancer charities or they gave one to Titus O'Neill. and hmm. like this year they gave it to um what's his name? Uh the referee who used to be uh Andrew the Giants handler. Um Tim White. Tim White, yes. Okay. Wonder why they gave it to him for. I mean, he was a. For being Audrey the Giants handler, I guess. He's not, yeah. But he's been dead for years. So, I mean, it was like, what's the point? So they're basically taking a shit on the Warrior
1: Award. It doesn't really mean a great deal.
3: The first yeah. one they gave it to that the cancer kid that died. Mm. Uh, no, it's fair. It he was a big Daniel Bryan fan and then he died uh like within a year of the WrestleMania or Daniel Bryan won the title.
1: hmm Yeah. Um so when I I was actually really excited to see this. I'd never seen it, I'd only heard of it and how they had sort of buried it. They socks get out of here. How they um they pretty much buried this thing and they you know, it's out of circulation, etc. And when I watched the first 10 minutes, I said, this ain't much of a hit piece. It's really just sort of a cliff notes of the uh, warrior, Dingo warrior. But uh, as time went along, it, it got pretty scathing. There were certain individuals on the air who were way more scathing of warrior than others. Um, Ted DiBiase <coughs> does not like him. Bobby Heenan does not, really does not like him. You're Bobby Boston,
3: Heenan was probably the the most. Yeah. I think Bobby Heenan was like the, the most... Uh, Vile, like the the one that hated him the most.
1: Mm. Well, didn't he do damage to Heenan's neck or something, or his back?
3: Well, that and... was one of the things he said when he pressed land him that WrestleMania five or whatever it was. Uh, he just dropped him on his face, and he didn't like that. And then he thought he disrespected Andre the Giant, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, he had no respect for the rest of the locker room or the boys or anything like that. So.
0: So... I'm going to be honest. I think Heenan's full of shit. I think because <laughs> I, I, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I did a little reading up on it and um what happened. Let me get my dog out of here. Go on. And. um, Okay. Here's, here's how I heard it. Or was reading is that uh, the young, the young wrestler said when they like Chris Jericho said this on his podcast, apparently, but he said when they went in to do the interviews for that, dvd they were told to be as negative on the warrior as possible so Heenan, and being a company man is gonna just completely you know he's just gonna blurt out right. a bunch of alleged real comments that are just slams on everybody he claimed years ago hogan dropped him wrong and hurt his neck i mean he's always you know if he doesn't like somebody he's always goes oh he dropped me wrong He didn't take care of me in the ring and you know and i was the clown or whatever but like mm-hmm. he claims he dropped me on my face and you show they show this clip and warrior drops, does like the press slam or whatever it is and drops him. It doesn't look any more awkward than any other time you see it. And then when I watched Backlash uh last week, uh the opening girls match, they do the press slam or something and drops her. And it she drops the same exact way Heenan dropped. So what is he complaining about? So I think he was I think he was just working the interview to claim, oh yeah. uh, this guy is awful. The thing about the warrior. Jim Helwig, uh, is this is a business where these guys do ribs on each other. They do horrible pranks on each other, especially back then. They screwed them all out of payments and everything. So when one guy comes along and he gets big really quick, and he sees it as a business, I'm here to make money. I'm not here to be one of the boys. I'm just here to make money and make everybody else money and and bring fans into the arena. And then I'm gonna quit after a few years because I can't keep up this steroid physique. You know, yeah. for long. Right. Boy, they just hate on these guys. Uh the Warrior had this rep. Um, Ronnie Garvin was another one from my old school day, what wrestling viewing days. That guy retired young and bought his own island up in Canada or something, you know. <laughs> or oh, north in the Carolinas. I'm not sure where. Um another one is uh Lex Luger. Lex Luger, they all would do everything they could to slam Lex Luger in in all ways because he saw it as a business. This is a way to make money. This is not the old days of carney shoots you know going on to small towns this is this is a business where we're selling something and we're making money but you know these these guys are uh praising uh who's who's the guy uh uh Johnny Valentine Johnny Fal- Valentine used to you know place feces in people's dinner and and uh take yeah. a dump in somebody's bag and that was considered Mar- oh it's just Johnny Valentine walking. it's like that's yeah. no that's pretty yeah. sociopathic you know <laughs> there's something wrong with that with Johnny Valentine so They think that's somehow honorable, but heaven forbid you take it, you treat it like a business, which is what it is. It's like, and he's also the one guy that never went crawling back to Vince for anything. Vince came crawling to him. WCW went crawling to him to make deals, and he made a lot of money and didn't do a whole lot of work. And yeah, they never get over that. Like he kind of did it his own way in the end.
1: Yeah. Would you say that Ultimate Warrior? Excuse me. Was one of the uh, the first mass monster of uh, professional wrestling.
0: Um, he was probably the first one with a lot of charisma, like running into the ring and everybody just responded to him. When I first saw him, he was Blade Runner Rock in the Mid South Wrestling, and he was uh, tag teaming with Sting. Yeah. And I was. They looked impressive when they were in the ring, but when they started moving, they didn't look so good. They just looked like Terrible. bodybuilding stiffs. Right. um then he was only a mid-south for like three months or two months so then he then he shows up in world-class wrestling he's the dingo warrior and i looked at him and i said you know that guy's got some presence in the ring he he could be a big star he's like a one-man road warrior tag team he's like you know big muscle guy does the pressing when he picks up a dude and you know he, he's got something going for him and uh then when he showed up in wwf i I wasn't watching WWF at the time. I really didn't like the promotion. I was mad at Vince because he destroyed all these regional promotions that I loved, and he'd run them out of business. I, I just didn't follow it. But I understand he was, like, huge with kids, and they loved him. But uh, when I was reading the Dirt Sheets, like, Wrestling Observer Newsletter, they were calling him the Anabolic Warrior because he would run. He would run. They, they kind of edit around this on the video, but he would run to the ring, and because he was sprinting to the ring and he was shaking the ropes, he was already blown up. He was like yeah. breathing heavy. And right. He did not seem to do much in the way of cardio conditioning. Cause that would have, you know, back then they believed that would sacrifice your size. And he wanted to always have that big stretch Armstrong look. And, um, you know, it's just, but you can't deny it, the guy had charisma. Kids loved him. That's kind of the important part, especially with WWF. They're basically selling the circus. To families and oh, yeah. you know he was he was right. the perfect star for them he just wasn't he wouldn't have done anything in the territories i loved where it was all about you know can you do a two-hour match with dory funk jr putting each other in hour-long rest holds so you know that, that's that's what everybody the wahoo mcdaniel chopping guys and blading and bleeding all over the place you know that's that's what i was into i was in the same stuff like guys like rick rubin were into and always talk about
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Because people, you know, there's people out there who say oh the ultimate warrior was the worst wrestler of all time. I don't believe that. No. He was he was he good? No, not really. But uh, for me, the worst wrestler of all time is Goldberg. I can't watch that guy. He
3: hasn't Yeah,
0: he's pretty bad.
1: <laughs> I always thought Goldberg thought it was real. Like
3: yeah.
2: he acted he like he thought people,
3: it too. was real he at heart. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, Brad Hart Brent won't Hart uh, stop talking about it. He keeps bringing it up to the stage. yeah. Brad Hart brings
0: up all the hey, <laughs> hey Goldberg. He he came a concussion. I can't wrestle Go- no more. Hey, you know it's just like that's all you get. It's like I mean, Goldberg, Goldberg will always Goldberg. be known as that.
3: <laughs> Goldberg made three million dollars wrestling in Saudi Arabia. I think you should give me some of that for ending my career. He kicked me right in the head.
0: <laughs> yeah, you could at least donate it to the Canadian National Health Service. Hey
1: he loves his money bret hart i mean yeah sure you gotta provide your family you gotta you know you gotta you know make some money etc but yeah he's um no I, I love bret hart man he's he's technically one of the best i've ever seen i think but
0: Oh you know, in the 80s he was terrific and um who, goldberg if you go back and you watch up, that, yeah. that if you watch that match with steve regal and goldberg and regal doesn't didn't oh, he understand he was supposed him. to basically just job job for the guy and he he starts grappling with him goldberg's confused <laughs> yeah you see
1: goldberg when he's uh wrestling regal he, he after that particular moment where he knows okay i meant to do a spear and then the um uh the the body slam whatever the hell he does after that as he's finishing move he was into the like fifth six seven minutes. he's he lo- he looks lost and regal's just toying yeah. with him like a cat with a dead mouse it was um that was one of the times where he yeah he really got exposed. And I think Regal got a dressing down for that for saying, don't you do that to our hottest property here at WCW. But um yeah, Regal. they started.
0: destroyed with bad booking because they didn't do with Goldberg what they should have done. And they did all sorts of dumb shit with him. So, uh, you know, they, they blow every good chance they get. All these wrestling promotions. I, I swear wrestling is like the one um, art form or entertainment form where it's almost like they are determined to disappoint people they disappoint their fans all the time you know whether yeah. the road um hogan with the the, with, with the whole thing with Sting at uh whatever it was a Starcade it was supposed to be a big blow off they ruined that
3: 97 uh,
0: yeah yeah wwe um you know it seems like every time i try to get back into it it would piss me off with just really stupid, disappointing booking decisions and killing whatever momentum they had. And uh, nowadays, the only stuff I watch is, because I got a cheap subscription to Peacock, I just watch the WWE big cards. Like, I'll watch WrestleMania, Backlash, but I don't watch the TV shows. They're like a month behind on the TV shows because of their stupid streaming deal. And so I just watch the cards and just kind of watch it like it's a magic show. And i tell you the truth, I enjoy it more than I ever have. I don't have to watch all the boring tv show buildups to stuff and the bad acting and the camera backstage showing the heels making their plans that they're going to surprise the baby face with it's none of this dumb stuff that i can't stand about the wwe and um just watch the cards and have fun with it and that's all you need
1: yeah
3: i will i will say since triple h took over the creative it's been much better week week mm-hmm. to week when vince was in charge for the last like 15 20 years like he was so out of touch and he yeah. kept shoving stuff down people's throats and they didn't want it. And, like, um, like we talked about Daniel Bryan earlier, like they just kind of lucked into that storyline because it happened naturally. And Vince kept trying to cut it off. And he, yeah. you know, he had him lose about five title matches in a row. And then he tried to take him out of the title picture and then he wouldn't put him in the Royal Rumble match. And, Like, the fans just took a dump over it. It was when Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble with the help of The Rock. Actually, I don't know. That might have been the next year. But, um, yeah, Daniel Bryan, like, the fans clearly wanted to be the champion. And they just went month after month. And it was like, okay, now we're moving on to something else. And they just kept screwing him over, screwing him over. And then, finally, somebody had the the thought – to say, well, maybe we should put him on put the title on him, you know, maybe that would be a good idea. But there like, was some,
1: yeah, it was some of the wrestlers I saw around two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, who were, you know, sons and etc. of previous superstars of the WWF, um, Ted D B R C Junior. in particular, and um, Harry Smith, Davy Boy Smith's kid, who I thought were not pretty competent wrestlers, and. I just um never saw he went anywhere.
0: Yeah, so, um, yeah they, uh, somebody else had they, that problem. Um, uh who is it? The son of um Heart Punch guy. Um Stan Stasiak. It's like he, he couldn't get anywhere. Oh and Sean
3: Stasiak.
0: Yeah, yeah. He They he, treated he
3: him like that. an idiot.
0: Yeah.
3: I think he was an idiot though.
0: <laughs> he probably was. <laughs> it's not a it's not a profession for rocket scientists, <laughs> i
3: forget i i saw somebody make a one of the wrestlers made a joke about um like uh somebody was like snitching on somebody else in the locker room or they were eavesdropping on on some conversation and, and somebody made a joke it was uh when when i was wrestling we called that sean stasiak
1: no <laughs> uh,
0: randy Is orton I... was another one randy orton i think got pretty big he was bob orton's son and um yeah and yeah, right. Randy, Orange.
3: Randy Orange is huge. I mean he, he he's like 14 time world champion. He, he's one of yeah. the, the best all the time.
1: He, he's more popular than his father was. And Bob yeah. was pretty big back in the uh late 70s, early 80s, or you know, pretty say. So like he
3: had a stable with uh Teddy Biasa Jr. and Cody Rhodes, and yeah. they put uh one of um one of the Wild Samoans kids, I think it was, or Jimmy Snuka's kid, I forget. Maybe both. And and those guys both washed out. Ted DiBiase eventually washed out. Tony Rhodes is back now, and he's he's uh he main evented WrestleMania, and he got beat, and now he's feuding with Brock Lesnar. So, um, mm. he kind of did the prodigal son thing, though. Or he he left. He went did the indies, started AEW, and then he came back. And now, like they they treat him like a main event guy, but like they won't make him the the guy yet.
1: No. Um, getting back to this self destruction video that um we're talking about, the promos cut by Warrior were just they were the worst. I mean they were they were um, I don't even know what he was talking about. I mean I was laughing, believe me, I was I was on my on the floor laughing because I thought what the what is this guy on about? This is it's like watching a guy from the front cover of a Man of War album come to life and just Viewing out these words that make no sense whatsoever. But, um, I mean, see, to me, I don't know know what you guys think, but the guy who cuts the greatest promos, the two would have been Ric Flair or Dusty Rhodes. I I think of the two best. Hulk is pretty close as well. What do you guys think?
0: Uh, for me, uh, superstar Billy Graham, um, Austin Idol, and uh, Dusty would be a very close third. That that was Dusty's best thing. He couldn't wrestle that great, especially in the 80s. But his promos, you could play them today, and you could – any wrestler could – if he could recite those promos, they're timeless. I mean, because he he was throwing in – according to Billy Graham, they would throw in uh, Bob Dylan lyrics. Like, each was (laughs) in a rush to get the latest Bob Dylan record. And if, like, if Billy Graham bought the latest Bob Dylan record, he would set up his record player in his hotel room and put the phone long distance to Dusty, wherever Dusty was, and play the new record for him. Because they were, they were, and he says, if you watch their old interview, you can see they're putting Bob Dylan lyrics, I will shelter you from the storm, you know, and uh, just brilliant stuff. And, um, but those guys were, like, my favorite promo people, but Flair is good. Um, but was overexposed in the eighties when I watched him on TV and um, on WTBS. So that when Crockett was on there, they would, they would bring, people don't understand what it was like to actually watch those shows in real time. Cause now you can just watch the highlight clips and you don't realize that dusty Rhodes would come out three times during the show and cut a promo. And yeah. every wrestler that came out, that was a face would have to mention dusty Rhodes, and the heels would have to mention dusty Rhodes, And then flair would come out like three or four times and do endless promos because I guess they were filming. They were just filling time, I think, and it was kind of the same thing over and over again. It, it really burned you out on the product, you know. Just they were overexposed on TV, and it's just growing up with that. Like watch it in clip form today, it's great. But like Dusty Rhodes' Hard Times promo is probably the best of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like uh, yeah. with auto workers or losing their jobs and. <laughs> A, man a computer the took for, your job. Thirty-five years shows up, and they said, "A computer took your your job, Jack." <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> that's great stuff. Or he'd talk about he'd talk about the fact that he was fat. He goes, "I may not have the body of today's professional athlete. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> but I will get it done in the ring." I mean, those guys they didn't have writers. They just made up all those promos on their own. They would just write them on the way right. to the studio and come up with stuff and work on it and uh boy, were they so much better than today? Where you can just see these guys struggling to remember what the writer wrote for them. You know, it just gets they get right. tongue tied too easily.
3: Yeah, I I was too young to see the heyday of Rick Flair and Dusty Rhodes, but uh, obviously been able to see their promos on DVDs and online and stuff. They're definitely definitely great. Hulk Hogan as a as a young kid. Uh, you can't beat Hulk Hogan cutting a promo, you know, when when you're four or five years old. And then oh, uh, yeah. later I always loved Scott Hall when he was in the NWO. He was doing the uh the surveys and stuff. That was that always got me. I was
0: still, still I see mute.
3: Sue's mouth mouth moving, but I don't hear him.
1: Uh, I put myself on mute. I'm sorry. So i was coughing okay um yeah scott hall and kevin nash i never really cared for much they just they didn't do it and not not to say they're not talented wrestlers they certainly are they're just the whole nwo angle it was okay when it started but then it just blew out and there was another person that was nwo then it
0: was went NWO. on too long no blow no uh, blow off they didn't do any like it should have ended like they should have broken them up and ended it like much quicker than they did just went on forever they and, looked uh, too strong they, they looked too powerful to... babyface has never won
3: you know, you're saying they shouldn't have split it into two different NWOs.
0: Yeah, that was a little too a little much, and it was just I think it was like a strategy to sell T-shirts, and that's when their yeah. booking just nosedived. I think Kevin Nash was was booking the the promotion, yes. and he just booked it into the ground, just destroyed it.
1: When you got Virgil, I mean, he had a gimmick like, where he would come to got... the
0: ring with a hot cup of coffee, and his whole threat was he was going to splash coffee on somebody. How lazy can you get? It's <laughs> nah, just no,
1: yeah i know
3: they they used to there's there's been more feuds started by hot coffee than anything else in the history of <laughs> uh, pro wrestling <laughs> that used to be such a trope back in the late 90s and 2000s it's just like yeah it's somebody just, would turn around crazy. and spill coffee on somebody they'd feud for the next three months
1: <laughs> just um like a question i posed to myself when i was watching this documentary was should warrior have turned heel sometime throughout his career or was that too much of a threat to the business?
0: He wasn't I don't know if he had I
3: the it. opportunity to because he kept leaving.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, he was fired once after during what was it? Um, he got
3: fired twice. Yeah, fired once for demanding a higher payout the night of the, the yeah. show. then the he got fired slain. for the uh steroid test.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But the first one where he demanded what was it? 250 grand or 500 grand from
3: somebody claimed 500 grand i forget
0: he claims that vince had screwed him on a payout for a previous big show and was six months overdue with it and that's why he held out i don't i don't know what's true but i also heard that this when he was supposedly fired for steroid use what what was actually happening was mcmahon was going through a steroid trial that he had his yeah. corporation to distribute steroids to wrestlers. So they got rid of the wrestlers who were obviously roided up and <laughs> warrior was part of that cut. I think David boy Smith was part mm-hmm. of it as well. Oh, they oh, had to sure. send Lex Luger over to, to I think lead Vince's uh, failed bodybuilding, uh, oh, attempted yes. at a bodybuilding order, the world bodybuilding Federation.
3: Yeah. yeah. I've been, I've been watching those 1992 shows um, starting right after WrestleMania eight. And there's a ton of promotion for the WBF. And yeah. Vince is always talking about the, the greatest drug-free bodybuilding <laughs> in the world. And then like they had the pay-per-view and there, there was some kind of expo, like fitness expo and he sent all his wrestlers there. And then, uh, one of the last episodes I watched, they had, a like the WBF magazine with a, with a feature story on the after effects of anabolic steroid use. Oh. And it, uh, it lasts much longer after you quit using it, Vince says, "You know, as he's probably shooting up himself. Yeah, if, yeah. Uh, yeah. if
1: you look at him in the late 90s, he was uh, certainly partaking, that's for sure. What lasted uh, the least? Was it the um, XFL or the WBF?
0: WF was quick death, very quick death. Yeah, I think. Quick death well, no, it? XFL was one season, but didn't he try to bring it back and he actually brought it back temporarily and then it flopped again? <laughs>
3: yeah just he, was it recently yeah he tried to bring it back in 2020 and then covid kind of killed it. right
0: and then the rock and bought then, it. and uh, now it's the rock it seems to be more successful it. this year
3: i think they just uh finished their season yeah so
1: yeah
0: but i would yeah, say they're... like
3: on the documentary jim ross is full of shit because he wasn't there until 1993 so he's talking about all this stuff with the warrior in 91 and 92 and yeah like, he wasn't even there
0: I mean, what does he know?
3: He didn't cross. Yeah, he knew him when he was on a
0: rock. That's all he'd know, like that three months he, he, he was there. He didn't
1: cross paths with Warrior in one of the other... Um,
0: other, Until 96. Um, South well, in in Mid-South. In Mid-South, he did. Okay. But yeah, like so, the stuff you're talking UWF, about, WWF, whatever.
3: he wasn't there for um, mm-hmm. until 96. You know, they were both there in 96. Although that might have been the three months that JR was fired, so...
2: Oh, might that have right. been
3: there then either, but yeah. um they're talking about that Papa Shango feud. Papa Shango feud, and it's like you're telling me that Vince McMahon and Bruce pritchard didn't come up with Papa Shango. You know, one of them watched Live and Let Die. Of course, and says we need a we need a witch doctor who came in before WrestleMania, before the Warrior came back, and after WrestleMania, Hulk was gone. Sid Justice just disappeared after about two weeks. So like. That's two of the four guys in your main event. And all you got left is Ultimate Warrior and Papa Shango. And Papa Shango can't wrestle. Ultimate Warrior, I mean, he's okay, but not really. He can't they carry don't Papa do... Shango. And they don't do like meaningful TV matches at that point. It was all squash matches with jobbers. So it was like JR was saying, "Yo, you had to do all these storylines because Ultimate Warrior couldn't cut it bell to bell. Like well, the whole show is guys calling each other out for six months and never wrestling each other.
1: Yeah, and when <laughs> they do, it's only for three or four minutes. With, with in Moria's case, or in particular that uh, abomination that I refuse to acknowledge the um the loss of the intercontinental title by the honky tonk man to. <laughs> to worry. That's I, I. I just I. I won't watch that. I will just fast forward it. I can't watch it. It's too distressing. We got
0: to remember on the nine. Basically, they were they were actually having all those matches on the house shows because back then the house shows were big business. That was mm. what yeah. all the money came from. So all those guys would wrestle each other on the house shows, but you never saw them wrestle on TV. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Honky Honky Tong said that he, he that was the quickest money he ever made. <laughs> was that match with Worry? Goes, uh oh. he gave me clothesline <laughs> <laughs> splash, and that was it. Yeah, I walked out with a you know. A fistful of dollars from that one, so.
3: He didn't even have to take <laughs> his jumpsuit off.
1: No, he didn't even get. He didn't even get that far.
0: <laughs> and yeah, you what, think a lot of these guys would have liked working with him because you made your money and you only worked for like six minutes. You didn't even you have, have to break. work a real match, really. You just take a clothesline and let him shake the ropes and build up the crowd heat and. But, opinion you you're done. I think the problem they had,
1: John, was he was so reckless. Yeah. He didn't take care of the of the opponent that he had.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, anyway, some like a Bret Hart.
1: Yeah, like they say, guys like Bret Hart, Undertaker, are some of the safest wrestlers you'll ever come against. Right, um, like Warrior who.
0: Randy Savage had that rep. They said even though he was doing all these crazy moves on you, it you didn't feel it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true about Savage. I mean, that's a guy well, who. Uh, uh,
0: I I've
3: heard that uh, he he did the top rope elbow real safe on the house shows, but uh, on TV he really laid it in there. Like yeah. DDP claims that his taped ribs were legit because Macho Man hit him with the elbow drop on the on pay-per-view and he's he's overtook time off for his ribs to, to heal. But I don't <laughs> know how true that is. Cause like, he'd wear they the, were, the tape, but it wasn't even on his
0: ribs. The problem is back then they were so busy trying to work the internet because there were all these smart fans thanks to the internet. And DDP, I really think was one of those who was always trying to work the smarts. And um another problem was uh in the late 90s i remember everybody saying randy savage is getting reckless with the jobbers he's getting reckless on tvs like they were trying to build up this persona that he was going off script and hurting these guys in the ring and everything and it's like it doesn't make any sense it's like why would you even pay him it's like you could just tell the guy not to show up if he's hurting people he -hmm. injured evan courageous in the ring (laughs) i remember that (laughs) they were trying to build this up as like an internet thing and i'm I'm just like what? It's like they're they're trying to work the smarts. I think, and he always had a a great rap as being easy to work with. So maybe right. he did get reckless in the late '90s, but it's also a possibility. It's just some nonsense like Bobby Heenan's baloney on this uh, Ultimate Warrior documentary. What?
3: Mm-hmm. well I think he just worked more snugly on TV. The Macho Man, that Probably. is
0: maybe
2: tight you know, but...
3: and like he he wasn't trying to hurt you. Just you know, gonna make it look good for TV.
0: Yeah, it's possible. Also, they have those cameras everywhere, which I think yeah. really works against wrestling because if you have the cameras everywhere, then suddenly you do have to work tighter because you're just going to look like you know your magic trick is exposed—that you're actually pulling the elbow or you know your your knee never hits them or whatever. Well, That's now like, everybody's
3: you know, everybody's obsessed with Japanese wrestling now, so they all work strong style, so they all right lay it in, you know, yeah, which. Uh, Speaking of red Hart, Hart was invited to one of their shows last year to watch one of the matches where the, the guys just slapped the shit out of each other for 20 minutes and they had an interview afterwards. He says, I was embarrassed to be there. We didn't used to beat <laughs> each other for real.
0: Heck in my he complained day. about the Japanese wrestling uh in his book. Um he said, like in the 80s, he said they worked way too stiff, like they would potato you and hit yeah. you for real, and you could barely make it to the next show because you get hit so bad. Um, but yeah. I recently i watched brett wrestle the original tiger mass satoru sayama and they were kind of just working rest holds and stuff it didn't you know but really fast and good um and then i think t- tiger Mask was hitting him with some kicks but he wasn't making contact so i think he was taking care of him in the ring i don't know if some of these other guys like ricky choshu took care of brett in the ring
3: yeah mm-hmm. uh, brett, brett basically says that uh he wouldn't let people do that to him he 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 said uh, even Rick Flair he says I wouldn't let Rick Flair chop me to death when we wrestled. Man, you know, I, I I I'd let him get like 10, 15 minutes in, and I'd say, okay, Rick, you, you get one chop, just get it out of your system. I, I was <laughs> gonna say I have
1: never heard chops ever like anybody like these from Rick Flair. That is insane. I just sit there and
0: go, oh god, this got to hurt. Wahoo me. McDaniel, go look up some old Wahoo McDaniel matches. Really? It's it hurts so to, to watch. It's like because he's usually doing it, do it to a jobber and just torturing the jobber.
3: Yeah, look up on the network on Peacock. Um it was on NXT maybe two or three years ago. Uh, Walter versus elia Dragonoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> never seen chops like that before.
1: Yeah, Ric Flair's wonderful. Yeah. Oh,
0: man. How but the funny know? thing is, Flair gave somebody advice uh, who, I, I can't remember who it was, might have been Brad Armstrong. I I can't remember, but they the guy said that Roddy Garvin was chopping him too hard in the ring and it was hurting. And Flair said, "Next time he does it, punch him right in the face and he'll quit." <laughs> and he said, and that's exactly what happened. He goes, <laughs> yeah,
3: well, Rick Flair was complaining about some guy on TV on AEW not chopping hard enough just a couple months ago
0: too. <laughs> He's. He just wants torture. That's all Flair wants. He's <laughs> in it for the pain.
3: Like I, and, and like I watched that match after I saw the interview and it was like he laid it in there just like everybody else does. Like he could hear yeah. it. <laughs> like I don't know what he's talking about.
0: Uh, yeah, Flair was probably know, uh, ten, ten, 10 bottles of beer before he watched it. And, uh, oh, I'm sure. You know, thinking about his old days, him and Wahoo chopping each other or Ronnie, <laughs> Ronnie Garvin.
1: You guys. They, of...
0: they used to chop the hell out of each other. Supposedly there was a match between Flair and Garvin where they were chopping each other so hard, uh, all the boys in the locker room thought it was a shoot, like it was a real fight. And oh. then they get they go to the back, they go to the back uh locker room and Flair goes, that's how you put on a wrestling match. You know, Flair just thrived on the pain, I think.
1: You guys heard of uh Woo Wings?
0: Which one? No? What? Woo wings.
1: What? It's Rick Flair's wing. Um <laughs> uh buffalo wings uh chicken wings oh no Um, i didn't know he he had
0: done that oh yeah he's got that that
1: five of them scattered all over the u.s somewhere but yeah woo wings
0: but uh, (laughs) i haven't haven't heard of it yet but (laughs) i'll have to look it up the uh the interesting uh part was where they said when warrior was paired with randy savage Uh, I can't remember who said it, but they said they were like two peas in a pod because they were both like crazy guys. Yeah. yeah, Had to have that worked out. They had their matches laid out to be exact. But it reminded me, since they were both like crazy guys doing crazy promos, um, there there was this uh, clip I saw in an old Memphis wrestling show from like 1982 where they had teamed Randy Savage and Jimmy Valiant. And they came in to do their promos. And it was just two guys with beards going, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, bugging their eyes out and just saying crazy stuff. And Dave Brown's trying to interview him, and he just starts cracking up. He loses it <laughs> because and Valiant's hamming it up right in the camera. And so is sad. they look like Muppets, like uh, the, the Muppet animal, like just hamming it up on camera. It's a hysterical clip. I'll have to put it up to YouTube when I figure out how to do that. Find it have any
1: movie. of you seen ever seen Randy Savage teamed up with um, Lenny Poffo, his brother? Yeah. Oh, the heck. The,
0: um well, okay. Uh Randy and his brother uh were working for their dad's promotion, I think in Kentucky. I think it's called uh I think it was IWA. And um it was an outlaw promotion where all, they couldn't work for any of the NWA promotions and they couldn't work with Memphis, so they were feuding with them for like legit for territory. And supposedly there was an incident where Red, Bill superstar Bill Dundee pulled a gun on Randy Savage in a parking lot at a gym in uh, somewhere in 10 I think it was Nashville and Randy pistol whipped him he grabbed the gun and oh. the pistol like Randy was one of those guys you just didn't mess with he could legit fight yeah and um Dutch Mantel has all these stories about it but then uh when the IWA was going out of business I think it was called the IWA well when the Pafa's promotion was going out of business uh they basically teamed up with Jarrett promotions and did about the only successful promotion invasion angle that i've ever seen in american wrestling like they they just showed up on the saturday morning uh, memphis show one morning and just invaded and the crowd went nuts and you know the tv audience they had there and the announcers looked all surprised at everything and i said well that's how you do an invasion angle you know you make it look legit and so they they got a lot of good mileage out of that feud and uh randy and his brother were tag teaming and um his brother lanny was really good it's like when you see him in wwf doing the poet angle it's, you, you don't really it, it it doesn't you you can't see how good he really was but yeah. he was supposedly he had the nature boy uh, gimmick uh, uh buddy landell's gimmick or no it was gorgeous george mm. randy bought the rights to the gim to gorgeous george's gimmick and lanny was signed to wcw to come in as gorgeous george but lanny never appeared on tv and never worked a match and he was getting something like 90 grand a year or 100 grand a year to just sit at home That's so right. he had like the best job rest. wrestling
3: <laughs> well then they gave the name to some uh some yeah he gave woman. it to his girlfriend yeah a, his girlfriend or whatever
0: i saw her uh when she was with doyle of the misfits when they um when they performed at a show here in denver and you know she had uh they uh doyle and her were going through the crowd uh you know i guess to get beer or whatever and i remember they were mm. Doyle was just pushing punks aside, you know, letting his girlfriend Gorgeous George get. She she had a different name, but she was like dancing on stage to Doyle's band or something. It was really weird.
1: Yeah, yeah. There was um, no, there was a band called uh, Gorgeous Frankenstein that was Doyle.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. It was it was Doyle, I think. And she was yeah. she would dance on stage while Doyle sang and performed.
1: He ditched her when she puffed out. He was like, "Doyle's gone." Yeah, she so, was yeah. puffed
0: out when I when I when I saw them. <laughs> yeah so she's like, really oh, this isn't gonna last much longer because he's still ripped like he was like 20 years Boy,
1: before yeah oh yeah back in the early 80s yeah but um anything else about this documentary it's um pretty straightforward it's only 95 minutes long it's just, well, i thought um,
3: some of the some of the points they made were kind of dumb like uh they made fun of him for changing his name and trying to get the rights to his character like, why would you want the rights to your character? I mean, Vince created it. I mean, why would you want that? It's just, you know, everybody knows you as that character. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then Jerry Lawler made fun of him for wearing a baseball cap on TV? Like that was hey, odd. I, little, I I, I
1: that was strange, yeah.
0: They, they were all being company ass kissers because Vince didn't create that character. Uh sorry, the guy who wrote his music didn't create that character. Uh Jim no. Hellwood created that character when he was in world class wrestling as the Dingo Warriors, the same stuff. Everything mm-hmm. he did, the face paint, all that stuff. You know, it's like he they didn't want to give him any credit for his own creation. And so he changed his name legally and he basically beat Vincent court every time. I think yeah. as far as I know. It's like he he always got him.
3: Do we know the even at the end of the documentary, they said the name was a copyright of Warrior Enterprise. Yeah, yeah, he still got paid
0: for that (laughs) stupid hatchet job. He got a check for that (laughs) because it's like they 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 had to eat um, lithium no matter what.
1: Do we know why this was even made, this
0: documentary? I was trying to remember because I was, I was too. I
3: I don't remember why they why they did it. because it came out, it's copyright 2005, I don't remember exactly when it came out The first thing I thought was, maybe uh, it was after Eddie Guerrero's death And he was going around talking shit about WWE and their steroids But okay. he didn't die until November, so they must have filmed it before that Yeah, And there were a lot of people doing that at that time So I can't imagine that that would necessarily be the only reason
1: yeah, because Helwig was out on the speaking circuit. I've seen a couple of his, um, his lectures, or you know speaking engagements. I should say on YouTube. And I mean, I mean, someone who's a conservative. I mean, it's it's pretty strong what he's what he's saying. You know, you know, gay people are going to rot in hell, and it's so. I mean, I don't know if it was a response to that, but I, I don't think they were done until much later, around the 2010s. He was doing those. Uh, well yeah i don't know if it was around 2005. actually no i think it might have been because i think jim ross said something about i'd like to listen to one of his speaking engagements i can finally understand what he's saying yeah so i don't know if they've done this to distance himself from what warrior has been saying and yeah i don't
3: know he must have been talking shit about vince i mean he must have been calling him out for something yeah
1: but that's a strange thing. Vince just keeps going, keeps forgiving this guy, and not to say not to, but you know, there's only so many guys out there that he gives a. I mean, for instance, Jeff Jarrett, when Jarrett wanted two hundred grand to lose the China for the Intercontinental Title, he basically did the same thing that Helwig did, a Warrior did. Yeah. By exact same thing. Yeah, exact same thing. And once um, the match was over, he was he was gone, fired. And when Vince bought WCW. He went on TV the night that he bought WCW and said, Jeff Jarrett's gone. Yeah. um,
3: Well, Jeff Jarrett's contract had elapsed before the pay-per-view. They they let his contract expire before the pay-per-view. Oh, really? He was supposed to drop the belt. That's why he did it. But I think a lot of it is Triple H, after he became part of the office, he's kind of brokered a lot of the reunions. Like He got Bruno Sammartino to come back. He got Ultimate Warrior to come back. Hmm. Um, I think part of it, too, is they put him in the game. I think the video game uh, makers were um, trying to – they were the first ones to reach out to him and try to get him in the game, and then that kind of eased things as well before he got in the Hall of Fame. But I think Triple H kind of buried the hatchet with a lot of these guys or got Vince to at least and, uh, you know, got them together. And once they got together, it was just like, you
2: know,
3: well, what are we fighting about at this point?
1: You know, well, uh, triple H was pretty scathing in the one interview on this of, um, of warrior.
3: Yeah. I remember hearing the story about that match where, uh, like supposedly triple H had written out this big elaborate match and he was working with the agent or whatever. And then he went in the, uh, Ultimate warriors locker room and, try to go over with them. And the warrior says, what's your finisher? All right. I'm going to know, sell that. And I'm going to hit you with a couple of clotheslines and, uh, we'll finish it from there. And like, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, triple H was less than a year in the company at that point. And
1: he was pretty green. So he really had. No yeah. yeah. So, Even with the revolving door of warrior coming in and out, he still didn't have any pull over, over warrior at that time. No. Um,
3: I will say when uh, when Hogan and Bischoff were talking about the uh, the WCW promo, I think they played the wrong clip. Um, the okay. On the DVD, because I I watched that promo today, and um, so like on the DVD, Hogan says, "Oh, he said the thing that you never say." And yeah, I was looking cl- at a clip gum. of what him saying, done? "Like you've never beaten me." Well, they built up the whole comeback by Hogan saying, I've, there's nobody I haven't beaten. There's nobody I can't beat. It was like the whole setup was like the Warrior is the one guy that Hogan can't beat. Yeah. And he's never beaten him before. But later in the promo, Warrior starts saying, uh, Beating you, Hogan, would be meaningless. Everybody's done it before. And I think that's the clip that they meant to play in the DVD. Mm-hmm. Because that's the one that kills the program, Is what he says it would be meaningless to beat you because well, you know what's the point I've already beaten you before yeah, uh it's one I think, in one so way I think he... that's what Hogan was talking about,
1: yeah, I think it's the 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 promo that <coughs> excuse me where warrior went for twenty minutes or something on the on the stage fifteen twenty minutes, and people were just switching off in droves. it's thought enough, but that's no, that it, was a, it, it wasn't anything.
3: It wasn't any worse than any of his other stuff, and the fans in the yeah. crowd seemed to like it. You know,
1: that, like, that falls on Bischoff to have cut that short. He could have just got Hogan to spear him and just cut the thing short. But they just kept standing there. The oh, whole you know.
3: the whole deal was Hogan was afraid of Warrior, and he tried to get him to join the NWO, and you know, you, you yeah. wanted nothing to do with them. It was it was the the angle. Um,
1: There's a shoot on YouTube that Warrior does about strictly about Hogan, and it's. It's vicious, he just goes. I've seen Hulk doing coke at the back, I should know. I did it with him, isn't that right, Terry? And oh man, it's he just goes off on on Hogan for about an hour. I don't
0: really watch
3: any of those, but I remember reading about him on the internet back in the day. Like, didn't he say Hogan used to prostitute his wife to the boys? And
2: Mm.
1: um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that was in there as well
3: like him and brutus beefcake were gay lovers and stuff like that (laughs) i can believe it i believe it
0: all
1: i mean beefcake followed um or ed leslie followed hogan around everywhere he just kept changing all the time and following hogan from WWF. he was in the ring with bischoff and hogan during that promo Mm.
3: in wcw
1: yeah yeah i don't um, know i
3: watched that match too from uh Halloween Havoc ninety eight. It's not any worse than any of Hogan's other matches in WCW. Yeah, they they screwed up the fireball, but like
1: all oh, that, yeah, with the
3: whatever, it didn't. It's not like it ruined the match. Like I mean, <laughs> they've been going for twenty minutes at that it, point.
0: It's every Hulk Hogan match aside from his uh, winning the big tournament in New Japan in like eighty two, which is the only time I actually saw him wrestle really good you know yeah. like if you could if you could find hogan's old new japan stuff from the early 80s he's really good he completely yeah. held back in the american rings but because he had talent he just didn't show it because yeah, I, I hate his american matches with a passion well, i couldn't stand him back in the day
3: especially working heel in wcw like yeah well, you know but i mean it, it it's not the worst match. Like it, they yeah. they really talk about how how bad it is, and like I maybe it's bad in context because like that that card is pretty stacked. Like yeah. it had the Goldberg and DDP match, which is like probably Goldberg's best match. Um, although that is also the pay per view where they cut out about two minutes into the main event because they ran out of time.
1: Oh yeah, I saw <laughs> that on the I watched the uh, Rise and Fall of WCW the other night, the documentary, and they go. The match started at ten fifty nine and eleven o'clock. You just see that was it. Just a a test. And they went for
3: like twenty minutes, and it's Goldberg's best match probably. Yeah,
1: they had to refund Uh, all the the pay per view
0: subscribers for that. But they also
3: had Sting versus Bret Hart on that card, and like they had a lot of good matches on that card. So like it stood out as
0: best Goldberg match I've seen is Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar from like. When Rock was leaving for UFC or something, and the crowd was just on Goldberg's side, and it's it's kind of like The Rock versus Hogan. It's just basically it's good because the crowd is so into it. Like the crowd. Are you is talking the about the one me.
3: from WrestleMania 20?
0: It might be. It was whatever Brock Lesnar Lesnar was leaving the company, and they all knew it. And they were both like the crowd knew it. And
3: they they were both leaving, and the crowd shit on both of them.
0: Yeah, but, but I that's... remember Goldberg actually got the crowd to favor him at one point. It was really weird. It was a weird match to watch.
3: It was, it was weird. That's, like, universally uh, hated. <laughs> like, everybody hates that match. They had like some the, good uh, ones in, like, 2015, 2016. Like, they had a match at WrestleMania mm-hmm. in, like, 20, 2016 or something. It yeah, was, I like, five see. minutes. It was five minutes. The they both hit their finisher like four times they fought on the outside and like they wrapped it up real quick it was just like non-stop action for five minutes nothing but big power moves and uh brock won the title back and it was mm-hmm. probably the best match you could get out of either one of them under was the it circumstances?
1: is yeah. it better than the shane mcmahon one from wrestlemania this year <laughs>
3: McMahon versus the Miz does a, does a leapfrog.
1: He's 53 years old. Jeez, he's got, yeah, that's ridiculous. That's like you watch Flair these days or before he's uh, his other retirement, He's 25th retirement. You go, come on, Flair, just give it away. You're too old.
3: Oh, did you watch that uh, 2008 Ultimate Warrior match?
1: No, I yeah, I know, I
3: you, uh, yeah, I sent you that uh, earlier today. Oh, yes, right?
1: the link. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I was. Hold God, up and he comes
3: it. hobbling out of the tunnel, just like limping yeah. all the way to the ring. Then he goes for like 20 minutes. Like, what are you guys thinking?
0: Yeah, That's yeah, I, I, Orlando I didn't know Jordan, did Jordan of all people. And that was probably him that decided it was gonna be 20 minutes
1: to prove oh, yeah, that he could 20 just... minutes.
0: He wanted to perform <laughs> in front of his family because his daughters had never seen him wrestle. But the weird thing was his physique was so bizarre because like he had no triceps, right. like his yeah. triceps had disappeared.
1: But you were just so wowed by the rest of it. You didn't care about triceps unless you were one of those guys. (laughs) Go, hey, he's lacking tries. He's lacking, uh, you know, quads or whatever. But yeah, unless you didn't know the bodybuilding breakdown structure of a body, you're not going to give a
0: shit. Yeah. And they didn't, um, the video, they didn't seem to mic the crowd because you couldn't hear the crowd at all. It just seems like it's this match with no E. Yeah. And it was, it's kind of a strange viewing experience.
3: I think it was in Spain. It was was in a Spanish. uh, Promotion, yeah, he's he's even weirder. Like, why would why would he come out of retirement in two thousand eight to wrestle Orlando Jordan in Spain? Like, Orlando Jordan, his biggest claim to fame was he was JBL's lackey in two thousand four when JBL was the world champion or the WWE champion on
0: SmackDown. They they know. probably he got a big paycheck to fly to Spain and, and wrestle. That's all it was. Oh, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> Talk about guys who you just wouldn't wouldn't want to face in the ring. JBL was one that that clothesline from hell. Oh <laughs> god, I don't care. When you see a thing running at you, you just think, oh no, it's all over.
3: They used to put him in the ring with guys that they wanted to punish. Yeah, like there was a there was one guy that got cut on TV on a TNA taping, and they made him mm-hmm. wrestle JBL on Raw the next week. <laughs>
1: Ooh. yeah but um
3: and then uh,
0: jbl got knocked out by joey was it joey styles who punched him out
3: that's that's the rumor yes yeah asked, I story. actually
0: several people confirmed it back when it happened like they said he yeah. punched him right out and they asked taz about it said so taz says joey goes to the gym like every day he's a he's a monster <laughs> in the gym so it's
1: like... yeah but um we should talk about Warrior and his last days because we're sort of uh, needing to wrap this thing up. So, Warrior died in 2014, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah.
1: So, he inducted into the Hall of Fame the night before WrestleMania or the night of, is it? It's it, was it was the night fight.
3: before. I think it was the night before. Yeah.
1: Yeah. WrestleMania happened on the Sunday. He was on Monday Night Raw and then dead two days later or a day later. The, the next day he died. Next day, that's strange. There's a theory, and it's just a theory, <coughs> excuse me, that's gone around that uh, Vince likes to have wrestlers die around WrestleMania to prop up the <laughs> WrestleMania um, uh, selling point of it. And Warrior was a uh, sacrifice. Because all of a sudden, you saw the guy on, and I don't know if you guys have seen it, I know Brett's seen it, where you saw Warrior at the Hall of Fame induction. He looked fine. The night of Monday Night Raw, he was a different man altogether. He was out of breath. He was beat red. He he looked like a different man in the space of two days. It's just... Well, yeah. he was also
3: shaking the ropes and shit. That's, you know? Like,
1: well, yeah, there's that part. You know, I mean...
3: Well, he came he, out, he was sweaty as hell uh, for yeah. Monday Night Raw. Like he, he was already like sweating really heavily.
1: mm yeah
0: yeah his um his father died in his 50s his grandfather died in his 50s so i i don't think you can actually they, they both had heart attacks yeah like very
1: was in the family they said ran yeah the
0: and so i i don't think you can really technically and we love to blame the steroids but i may have to take the john romano position and, and say you know, <laughs> ran in his family ran in his family <laughs> you know it's like had <laughs> heart disease this is steroids uh, you know she, warrior
3: he always blast. says he yeah. always says i used steroids i never abused steroids
0: this there is a truth to that you can cycle them and do them safely you supposedly that's what the bodybuilders claim the ones who have aged yeah. well like you know, franco colombo went what he stepped on a rainbow at 78 or something while he was diving in the off the coast it's like you know he he's one of those guys that's probably cycled it out He's done fine. Um, I had also read that they believe that when he was in the Arizona climate, and he goes to New Orleans for WrestleMania, and you're ta- you're going from high altitude to sea level, and it may have been mm. too much for his cardio well, system really. or, or whatever.
1: did know that. anything's possible. Yeah,
0: he seemed yeah. like I used to read his blog, even though I never really watched his wrestling that much, but I used to subscribe to his his Warrior newsletter, and it was. He just seemed like a, a pretty strange guy who like read he'd read like old political books and Greek uh philosophy and Ayn Rand novels or whatever. And he would just yeah. rant about everything. And he was but it was interesting to read. That was the funny thing. And he would give bodybuilding advice to people who wrote in and um like somebody said, What's the best supplement? And he said, gallon of milk. He says, buy a gallon of milk, finish it off. He goes, cheapest protein available. You don't need to buy anything from those <laughs> health food stores. Just buy buy some milk. Cheapest protein yeah. there is. <laughs> it's just like, it'll, it'll give you what you need. And um, the uh, another, you know, they like to diss him because they said, oh, he refused autographs to kids in the 80s and stuff. And it's probably true. But uh, all the fans said that when he was doing the signings and the early double Ots and late 90s, they said he was great. He was great at the fan conventions they said he would he would be paid to be there for three hours he would stay for six and not charge mm-hmm. the promoter because he wanted every fan to get an autograph like yeah. he would he would tell him hey let's retake that photo again it's a little off you know like he, yeah. he just wanted to make sure every fan had it good And they said he was pretty cool with the fans like at that time so think, obviously he changed Mario, somewhat but
1: yeah i think i think he had some sort of like a you know an epiphany of some sort or a... yeah yeah, you know, in, in maybe after
0: he had kids of his own, and then he suddenly realized, yeah. let's not be shitty to somebody else's kids who wants your autograph or whatever. And
1: there's so, an interesting point where, um, yeah, there's a it there was an A and E biography that came out of Warrior, and it was it was released a week before the Dark Side of the Ring one on Warrior. So, um, right. gets, well, let me guess, obsessed over
0: his, his homophobic comments
3: on <laughs> <laughs> Dark Side, yes,
0: yeah. yeah. Cause that's just the end of the world. Cause he said, uh, what did he say? Queering doesn't make the world go around or something like that.
3: Something like that. They had a clip of some, uh, college lecture he was giving and somebody was shouting at him and he was shouting back. And yeah, they um, also, I forget what the whole circumstance was on the dark side. They mentioned there was somebody that ultimate warrior, like insulted or pissed off. And Vince made him shoot a, uh, Apology video for him. Yes, and I can't yeah. remember the whole circumstance. It was a station.
0: That. It was a TV station manager, and Warrior uh, wouldn't grant the request to talk to his kid or something like that.
1: Yeah,
3: and, oh, it yeah. Was a,
0: it, and the guy managed like an important station and the WWE syndication network, and so Vince had Jim <laughs> shoot an apology. He was apparently very pissed off about that. Not not very uh, fountainhead of him, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But he's a he's an interesting guy, a warrior. He's just um, you know, he's gone now, so we won't get to hear any more from him. Thank God, because of cancel culture, will come after him, and yeah,
0: uh, you know, oh, they hated him. They oh, really they was... come after him, anyways. Yeah,
1: yeah, but yeah, he's <laughs> he's an interesting guy. He's just um, you know, he's a footnote in the uh, WWF from the late eighties. An interesting fact was that um, there was a uh, three disc DVD set that was in the box. One of the ones I got here, and it features twelve, twelve, I think fifteen, you know, main stars of the WWF from the eighties. Warrior's not there, <laughs> and but other people are, such as, and this is not to knock them as talent. Paul Orndorff is in there, right? Um, I don't dig Orndorff. I mean, he was he was freaking cool, but he wasn't selling tickets like Warrior was no no right so yeah just it made me think was warrior i i assume warrior was left out on purpose he was just completely he was. yeah
0: totally
1: because i'm going through the chapters on the thing I'm, where's warrior he's not there and we got bobby heenan i mean yeah i like bobby heenan he's not my favorite manager that's jimmy hart but Heenan was a yeah. manager that's all he was yeah you know famous right. one of but he was just a manager so he um, did
0: clown matches. He did like the comedy matches that were mid card. Okay, he loses to Nick Bockwinkle. He's got to wear the weasel suit. You know that sort yeah, of thing. He did with
1: Warrior yeah. as well. So, yeah,
3: yeah that was another true. thing in the
1: documentary. Um, <laughs> he
0: ruined
3: the weasel match for me. <laughs> I didn't even wear
0: the weasel suit.
3: <laughs> yeah, wow, could you
0: kiss corporate the... ass even more as he claimed he ruined the weasel suit? He he so he much 20, of the same Yeah. <laughs> Well, and another thing is I, I felt like they, they could have dug out some of the real crazy interviews I've heard about. Maybe they don't have them anymore, but supposedly there's an interview where he says, I ingest the chemicals no mortal man dares to, to take or something <laughs> like that. Pretty much admitted to his roid use.
1: <laughs> you feel like uh, Warrior is just taking the piss all the time. He's just He was really just there for the money. I'll... It I mean, is a
0: business. It, it's a business. You know what's wrong with that? Uh, he's being real. It's a, you
1: know? it's a honestly look at it. It's a business that Vince treats that way, but he won't let the talent treat it that way as well. Yes. Somebody like yes. Warrior does that. He finds it insulting or counterproductive to what he what his vision is. But he's not doing anything mm-hmm. different that Vince is doing. He wasn't. Yeah, Warrior didn't toe the company line. Right. But he means a lot of friggin' money. Let's be honest. He made him a lot yeah, of money.
0: Out, he outvinced Vince, basically.
1: Yeah. That's why you keep bringing, keep bringing him back. He threw out the 90s. Yeah, Well,
0: Vince probably had a, you know, he, he basically got cucked by him. So he wanted to try to, ah, this time I'll screw the warrior or whatever. I'll screw <laughs> him over. And, you know, yeah. Hellwig, you know, made everything on his own terms and Vince couldn't beat him at that. So.
1: There was also a thing that some this is allegedly, somebody had tipped off Vince that Warrior was dying anyway. And that's why he got put into the Hall of Fame in 2014. Because he knew that he didn't have long to go. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's uh, so much mm. rumors going around. You don't know what's what's true and what's not. Yeah,
0: you don't believe wrestling rumors. There's the, there's enough craziness and the truth where you don't really have to believe the rumors. <laughs>
1: well, speaking of that, I... I'm going to give a shout out to a channel called Purple Sky Eleven on YouTube, and it is uh, a lady called MK who has done a thirty-something part deep dive into the Chris Benoit case. And it is a ast- she's managed to get through. Um, help me out with this. The Freedom of Information Act, is it? You yeah, the- FOIA. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, she's managed to get all the police reports, all the. Um, coroner reports everything through this and just done you know 20 minute videos of i'm not saying that benoit didn't do what he did to his family but there's a lot of evidence there that just shit does not add up you know who really did it well kevin kevin yeah. solomon yeah that's what i've heard that's that's the which is um...
0: laughable because kevin was already with his, his new wife living in South Florida, he didn't give a shit about any of that stuff. He yeah, he had, for, he pretty much yeah. booked that divorce. I mean, that's that's the famous thing in the uh in, in wrestling is he basically booked his divorce. But supposedly he and uh, Nancy were having problems even before he booked that that Benoit angle. So
1: Yeah. But um yeah, it's it's a fascinating um watch. I mean, she's actually done a deep dive now into the death of Owen Hart. Um, and just how the rigging was all wrong and it, and I mean not to say that she's investigating saying that somebody there wanted Owen dead it doesn't go in, in that direction but it does um, it does hey 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 yeah.
3: Dark Center of the Ring did a, a really good job with the uh, Owen Hart death of explaining what happened
0: yeah. Um I remember reading a wrestling observer detail on it and it was it was pretty good. Like it's just one of those mishaps from bad management, you know.
3: And they went with a cheap uh yeah, cheap equipment and uh wasn't meant to do what they wanted it to do. Mm-hmm. Killed them.
0: Yeah. Stupid Vince Russo gimmick that, you know. I, uh, I always thought it was overrated in his uh, writing and all the angles he came up with. But the um, the I was wondering, did that does that channel do a deep dive on whether or not Randy Savage slept with Stephanie McMahon when she was thirteen?
1: <laughs> not yet. yeah, uh, no, okay, uh, that's
0: that's the big rumor. I want to see somebody do a deep dive on That,
1: that is the one what that it? apparently got him ostracized by Vince. And and yeah. there, was, there is a thing. Sorry, Brett. There's a thing where they ask Lanny that question, and he goes. Well, what have you heard? He goes, and people say, "Well, it happened." He goes, "Well, he basically gave the answer away that Macho Man did it."
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Land- landy always did that thing where he would he would be asked about it. They would ask a question back. Well, hey, do you believe it? You know, he would, he would <laughs> give that, that type of answer every time.
3: Hmm. Well, Lanny Poffo, they, they wanted to get the the Macho Man in a Hall of Fame for a long time, and Lanny Poffo said, "Well, Randy says if uh, if you put him in, you got to put me and Dad in too." And I think they they eventually gave in on that, or at mm-hmm. least put his dad in there with him. Yeah. But uh, Lanny basically uh, weaseled his way into the WWE Hall of Fame off the <laughs> you know you know off the alleged <laughs> word of his dead brother. <laughs>
2: Nice. Hey, Randy doesn't want to go worker. in without
3: the family. Yeah, but Dad, me, and with them.
1: And we just lost him not long ago as well.
3: Yep. True. Yeah.
1: There. Um. And you, John, you were saying before about how there's a lot of people in this video who are uh, have either gone or mm-hmm. not far away from leaving us. Because I mean, this is only 20 years old, this thing. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Jerry Lawler I could see passing away soon. Yeah, he He's always been a favorite of mine, but I could, I could see him passing away. Hmm.
3: He just survived a stroke, so uh, and he's already survived he a heart survived attack. A a heart attack. Yeah. But well, his autobiography,
0: he uh he, he sits there and claims he never goes to the gym. He just eats fast food and, uh, yeah. and gets his exercise in the ring. I said, well, he's not going to be around much longer.
1: <laughs> I'm wrong. Well, i wrong. Uh, saw... Anyone? I saw
3: him send out a tweet in January. He's like, first match of the year. Oh, <laughs> he's, no. you know, there it is, gear. Stuff. Uh,
0: <laughs> new he's in a. his 70s.
3: <laughs> he's well into his 70s. Yeah. But, <laughs> I don't
0: know.
3: If he's not dead yet, I don't know what will kill him. You know? <laughs> the same thing with Rick but Flair. I I mean, the- I mean, what's going to kill Rick Flair if, if nothing has killed him yet?
1: Woo wings. <laughs> be too...
3: Probably choke on, won't kill him. <laughs> choke on a bone.
1: Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, all right, We want to rate this thing or what? Sure. All right, Brett. You want to give it a rating for the self destruction of the ultimate warrior? Uh
3: I'll give it a six out of ten.
0: All right, John. Uh, I give it like a four. It's just a hatchet job. Oh, wow. But it's good for some of the footage because a lot of this I'd never seen because I just, like I said, I wasn't watching it back back when he was big. So it was kind of, it's always fun to see that stuff because his interviews were otherworldly. But um, otherwise, I just, just to see these wrestlers kiss Vince's ass, that's really what it should have been titled.
1: You've been Heenanized. (sighs)
0: And I like Bobby Heenan, but man, he is just being the company man here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give it a 6 as well. I think it's a worthwhile watch. And um, there are some extra matches on here as bonuses. Um, one of them is that match that I will not watch. Um, and there's a few others on there. But,
3: yeah, it's... um. Yeah, What, are, what are the bonus matches? I've been wondering that.
1: Okay, it is... Um... Oh, shit. I have to pull this out. Is there a stick on the back of this one? It is. Uh, Warriors first match uh, versus Terry Gibbs. Then there's that one that I won't speak about from SummerSlam 88. Uh, Hulk Hogan, Wrestlemania 6. Uh, Ravishing Rick Rude, SummerSlam 90. And then the Macho Man from uh, Wrestlemania retirement match from 90 one. I, I
3: rewatched that one that, that wrestlemania seven match might be his best his best match but it's overshadowed by the stuff that happens afterward because that's uh Randy savage went in as the macho king mm. and then he reunited with miss elizabeth afterward and everybody's crying there's tears flowing
1: i remember that uh, i sure had that on know.
3: tape i had that on tape as a kid so i've seen that many times but uh it was probably his what, best match
1: what was the um inspiration from elizabeth was that a was that a work was that a real thing it was a work, work? well they
3: they split up years before i think it was because of the hulk hogan feud and then uh yeah. macho macho man became the king of the ring somehow he's the macho king and he had sensational queen sherry and so mm. when he lost his career sherry turned on him and it's really funny cuz Miss Elizabeth is sitting, like, halfway up the ramp to the ring, like, three rows deep, and Bobby Heenan spots her from the other side of the ring from the announce table. And, like, he's he's in the corner, like, when you're watching the, the from the TV, he's, like, in the bottom right corner, and she's, like, all the way to the left of the screen, like, halfway up the ramp. Like three three rows deep, and Bobby Heenan spots her before them. Is that Miss Elizabeth sitting yeah. ringside?
2: That's and that's it's funny too
3: because because Donald Trump is sitting front row, right in the middle of the ring, and you can see him talking to the guy next to him, like telling him all the storylines and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I don't that, know if I'd ever noticed that before, but it's hilarious.
1: That is one we lost too. early was Elizabeth, but um, that's what uh, hanging out with Lex Luger will do to you. eventually key and you could see in WCW around 97 she put on a little bit of weight a little bit puffy uh which was all the pills that she was doing which yeah there is a
0: by the way there is a better ultimate warrior DVD collection or blu-ray set available Mm -hmm. after after they made nice with the warrior and uh it's probably a better collection to seek out than than getting this documentary (laughs)
3: Yeah, I assume I didn't get this one because all those matches are on like ever every other set that I have.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's nothing you haven't seen. I'm sure
3: WrestleMania, SummerSlam. It's uh, like I'm
0: trying to get through a Ricky Steamboat set, and it's like all these matches I've seen on Flair set, and you, know, <laughs> and you know, the best of you know uh, Mid Atlantic stuff. You know, it's like it's all these matches I've seen before and WrestleMania.
3: That was the problem back in the day. It's like, how many DVDs can I have the Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon WrestleMania ladder match on? Right, right. like, so like do I need that on four DVDs?
0: Do you need the, Ric the Flair the versus first Ricky Steamboat at The Superdome, you know, how many times <laughs> do you need that?
1: Uh-huh. I forgot to mention, there was one more I didn't add to my um, Whip Out Your Junk because John just reminded me.
0: Yes, that's oh, it. Wow, previous,
1: yeah. Um, still sealed brand new i have not opened it yet and there is one more which i do want to get um they go fairly cheap they're only like a 10 or each so i would want to get those warrior ones um uh, i don't know if it's got a documentary if it's just matches i i, I don't know um but yeah peacock
3: has a couple of warrior Colosseum home video uh cl- um compilations on there as well
0: yeah i'll probably watch those From, for fun uh,
1: from like yeah. 88 89 and uh, like 90 right. through 92 or whatever. The only thing I don't like about these DVDs is the blurring of the WWF logo. But oh, yeah. Yeah, they they
3: did that for 5 years but it was only the Attitude Era one.
1: Yes. Yes, cuz all the old Federation ones they're not blurred. When you get to the Attitude ones there's a blur here. Someone's wearing a, a t-shirt of it in the in the uh audience. They got to blur that. They got to blur it on the turn i thought my god enough yeah. it's just too much of a distraction
3: it it depends oh. on how old the dvd is some of them they just blur the shit out of everything and some of them they they do it a little more like subtle yeah uh, and sometimes they miss stuff sometimes they censor the word wwf sometimes they miss it sometimes they, they replace the f, the f yeah. with an e it, yeah. it's i've, heard, it's I've, really heard, kind no, I've of heard all over the place
1: i've heard when someone says wwf in the initial broadcast and they go someone goes E. <laughs>
3: uh, but uh. They don't have to do that anymore. Uh the network they don't blur the stuff anymore.
1: Unless oh, they yeah. miss
3: it, like when they did the scrub or whatever. Yeah. But uh it, it was like a 10 year deal with the World Wildlife Fund where like they couldn't have anything with WWF in it. Or the of- uh, attitude Era logo. Do
1: you think of those fucking idiots in the World Wide Fund? Um didn't come after them they would have still been known as wwf yeah yeah still, still been i'm
3: surprised vince gave in you know like i'm surprised he didn't fight it harder
1: that's strange. yeah that is strange that he just said oh we'll just change because you've got to now rebrand everything and yeah. there, there had to be something else in there in the lawsuit where he just thought it's not economically viable for me to try and challenge this i'll just
0: well, he wanted to be a movie producer, and a lot of his productions are out there in streaming land. Uh, but so WWE, he could say it's worldwide entertainment, and yeah. get into movie productions. He always wanted to be a movie producer. He actually tried to buy, um, I think the Republic, the Republic Library or whatever, or Artisan Entertainment. He tried to buy one of those companies at one point. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I I think that's part of it. He wanted to have entertainment as part of the name. And then obviously they could do merchandise with the new logos. They did the whole get the F out campaign.
1: That was clever. I thought it was very clever when they did that. But um, all right, well, we'll call it a day on this one. Ultimate Warrior. Finally got it done. Finally got some wrestling talk done. Finally got uh, Mr. Wolfie T on. Thank you, mate. After the many, many, many false starts that you people (laughs) not know about and the Oh we going today. Oh we're going this time. Hang on, are we starting this time, Start. yeah. That's that's the uh that's the that's the uh, peak behind it's the camera. See it's, it's done. It's done, but it's not fun at times, is it John? <laughs> no. Hence <laughs> <laughs> why people just slag off and go, are We do anything this week? No response. No and you're bad. Actually, you're the worst proponent, John. It'll say, John's seen it. Alright, no, Johnny you gonna say something? Nothing. And Hunter will play a day later. I don't know. What do you want to do? I think, oh, fuck. <laughs> Listen, get up. Get me proactive, you two, will you? Enough. But um, anyway, thank you, Brett, for coming on. Listen, uh, plug, mate. Go ahead. Plug your shit. Yeah. WTM Watch
3: This Movie. Um, Eric, my our co-host, my co-host on there, he just moved us to Podbean as our main um, host for WTM Watch This Movie i think we're going to phase out our website so it used to be it's wtm watch this but i don't know how long he's going to keep that up until the subscription expires i suppose mm-hmm. um i'm on twitter and letterboxd at positivelywolf one uh eric runs the show account on twitter at watch this underscore movie so give us a follow give us a listen subscribe anywhere you have uh podcasts
1: and um Shame on you for giving John Wick four a last resort. <laughs> uh, it's like, I oh, listen. I go, you got to be. I had to play it back again. Go, you got to be kidding me. Are you serious? Uh, it's a it's the last resort.
3: <laughs> it's I, it's better than the last. two. I liked it better than the last two, but it's still not not that good.
1: It's glorious. <laughs> All right. Um. We know we've been away for a little while. There's this episode that you're listening or watching to now. I am recording with the Nez in a few days, where it is he and I discussing the career of uh, Britain's first sex star, Mary Millington, which should be interesting. So I'm doing a bit of a deep dive into that about this oh. um, tragic life, this woman who had it all and threw it all away. So um, there's that. Uh, John and I and Hunnell. Uh, try and think of something. We'll record maybe later in the week. I don't know. Depends how we go. Um, and Mulder as well. He and I will be doing the re... Well, season two of the Mirrorball Movie Cowboy. So there's stuff coming through the system. We just had a few weeks off. We, we're going to do something a week or two ago. And we thought, ah, I need a break. And um, yeah, that's it. So stick around for the Nez, for his piece now. And I will say, see you later
0: yeah
2: peace out and now it's time for rue britannia with your foreign correspondent the nez And a move that will surprise nobody other than those who still think that Dylan Mulvaney will go post-op, and he, she, it certainly won't, the left-wing media in the UK this week suffered a blow-up and a bruise when woke left-wing blog BuzzFeed UK announced it was closing down formally once and for all. Although some would argue it actually closed down years ago anyway, but still. Staffers took the bad news in good stead, threatening violence, blocking roads, pitchforks and torches after the castle doors, and tango-slapping. In short, the Twitter equivalent of murder on the dance floor, and as usual, nobody really giving a damn one way or the other. Nobody cared. All of this, however, is somewhat symptomatic of an overall decline in the domestic media. Never mind the domestic left-wing media. Up until its closure, Buzzfeed was forever reminding the media that it was continually awash with financial funding and backing, which, frankly, never turns out not to be the case at all. All of which also bodes well for other left-wing media organisations such as the now-in-retreat BBC, rival left-wing political blog Politics Joe, and the face of woke humour itself, the Marxist blog Navarra Media. Personally, if anything, I just don't think BuzzFeed UK has actually gone out of business enough, but I'll take the win anyway. Trebles all round. Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, and as the nation prepares for the woke-fest that constitutes Charles III's coronation in two weeks' time, not to be confused with black American actor James Bond III, after all, he is kind of a uh, black public feeling is now swinging as a fever pitch all the way across the country with left-wing terrorists pledging to effectively commit acts of civil disobedience on the day. Gypsies have effectively promised to stop housing horses and tower blocks in commemoration of the day itself. McDonald's have stated that they'll be allowing more homeless people to sleep in store for the period. Muslims will effectively be celebrating the coronation by promising not to rape and kill anybody, but you know what they like? The RF Red Arrows will be calling themselves the Black Hours for one week only to mark the special day. And the legal immigrants will be marking the special occasion by effectively burning down Foster Hotels, where the government has effectively deposited them as a result of their invasion of Britain. Charles III. And you thought that your family was fucked up. Sport. And Deputy Prime Minister Dominic Robb finally resigned this week after having been found guilty by an independent investigation of allegations of bullying civil servants in Whitehall. You know the drill by now. Unidentified unelected civil servants in Whitehall accusing Rob of effectively asking civil servants to do their jobs for which they're paid for. Civil servants taking offence, whilst effectively leaking off the record to the London media about just how bad Rob actually is. Or in this case, actually, really wasn't. The evidence and accusations put forward were somewhat flimsy. Elected government minister resigns. Civil servants continue to sabotage government policy via obstruction which really begs the question, as regarding democracy, what exactly is the point of democracy? If an identified, unidentifiable and elected civil servants of Whitehall continues to obstruct and sabotage government policy, then really, effectively, voting is a complete and utter waste of time altogether, not least when, frankly, they now appear to have the power to effectively sack government ministers who are democratically elected. But then again, frankly, watching both Labour and the Tories effectively screw the country up is effectively the equivalent of watching two rats fighting over a cake. Further notes in passing, plans for the Tories who call a general election for October next year took a bit of a punch, when inflation figures this week released on Tuesday showed only a slight decrease in inflation. A fall down to 10.1% when sooner was effectively hoping for a decrease down to single figures. Gradually effectively moves the general election date next year to Christmas. Meanwhile, ahead of council elections on May 4th, one Tory councillor after re-election has effectively been suspended by his party, after having been privately been caught being recorded saying that white people should effectively really be allowed to own black slaves. Though one really can't actually possibly comment, it's noteworthy that the price of Whoopi Goldberg has actually dropped down to a discounted reduction of $5. Whereas Rachel Dalton and Meghan Markle are seriously considering making offers to buy themselves. And Saturday marked the passing of comedy legend Barry Humphreys. There is a light that for once has indeed gone out. Packs.
1: Thank you for listening to the Midnight Movie Cowboys. For more information, go to www.midnightmoviecowboys.com For feedback, comments, or show suggestions, go to midnightmoviecowboys at gmail.com Like what you hear? Head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Hear us on Stitcher Radio. Head over to stitcher.com and download the app. (laughs) Want to help the show out? Head on over to www.mccowboys.com and hit the PayPal donate. We appreciate all donations of any denomination. Find us on Twitter at mmcowboys. Like us on Facebook. Head over to facebook.com type in Midnight Movie Cowboys. Hit the like button over there. Want to friend us personally on Facebook or follow us on Twitter? Go to www.midnightmoviecowboys.com and find the links from there on the right hand side. Thanks for listening. See you all next week.